Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at Jonah's proclamation. And look, something greater than Jonah is here. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And look, something greater than Solomon is here. The second reading tonight comes from Jonah chapter 2. It can be found on page 852 of your Black Bibles. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The waters engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its prison bars closed behind me forever. But you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered Yahweh. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of God. Hey, g'day. Uh, please don't shut your Bibles. Uh, keep them open, because uh, that's the passage that uh, we'll be looking at this evening. Uh, again, if I haven't met you, my name's Tim. Uh, we're going to be digging into Jonah chapter 2, uh, but before we get there, please uh, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word. Lord, we thank you that it's still relevant today. Lord, we pray that as we hear from Jonah, that your spirit will convict us and transform us to be people who continue to live like you and love like you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, friends, the stats, they're scary. Now, these scary stats suggest that most of us, at some point in our lives, will hit rock bottom. I know that there are people in this room tonight who have been there. You may be there right now. It may be depression, anxiety, loneliness. It may be rejection. Or or some of you may be at a spiritual rock bottom where God feels so distant or even improbable. Rock bottom. 
Have you been there? I've, I've been at rock bottom. Uh, last year, some of you may know, um, I hit rock bottom. I was in the, uh, the grip of depression, a- anxiety, uh, and fear. Um, the strange thing about rock bottom is that externally, life was going really well. Uh, I had a great girlfriend. Um, thank God she stuck around and she's now my wife. Um, I had a good group of friends around me. And I had a, a, a satisfying academic life. But friends, it was past personal demons that came back and haunted me, which made life unravel until I spiraled down and down and down until I felt I was in, in a personal prison with no obvious way out. Rock bottom. Have you been there? Have you felt the despair, the hopelessness? Have you, have you felt the fear that exists down at rock bottom? Well, friends, the stats say that most of us in this room will hit rock bottom at some point in our lives. And having been a person who's been there, not just on one occasion, or well, one occasion, I want to encourage us tonight. I want to prepare us tonight to be ready to face rock bottom. And so tonight from Jonah chapter 2, we're going to look at three things. Uh, We're going to look at how we reach rock bottom, how we respond from rock bottom, but ultimately and most importantly, friends, how we are raised from rock bottom. So the first point is reaching rock bottom. Now, in the story that Elaine read out uh, from Jonah chapter 2, Jonah literally hits rock bottom. Did did you guys see that in verse 6? He says, I sank down to the foundations of the mountains. He's at the bottom of the sea. You you can't get any lower than the bottom of the sea. He's at literal rock bottom. And he describes it like this, the earth with its prison bars closed in behind me forever. Forever. And this, friends, is what rock bottom feels like. It's, it's a personal prison with no parole period in sight. Jonah is in a hopeless situation. Physically, Jonah at the bottom of the sea can do nothing to save himself. But have, have you ever stopped? Have you ever stopped and thought, how did Jonah get to rock bottom? Well, we heard last week that, as Dan told us, that Jonah rejected God's word and he ran away. He wanted to run in the opposite direction. And so he ran down to Jopra. Then he ran down into the ship. Then he ran down into the hull of the ship. And this week we find him down at the bottom of the sea. Jonah's rejection of God's word and his actions have led him to hit rock bottom. And friends, there will be some of us tonight who are like Jonah. Our actions, our rejection of God's word has led us down, down, down until we smash into rock bottom. 
It could be our distorted view of work, which leads us to work so hard that we burn out. It could be that desire for physical beauty that drives us to bulimia. It could be the longing for that personal close relationship that leads us to reject God's word and run in the opposite direction. Some of us here have hit rock bottom because we've rejected God's word and run in our own direction. But that's not the only way to hit rock bottom, is it? There's another way to hit rock bottom. Because Jesus also hit rock bottom, didn't he? Jesus didn't hit rock bottom because of his own actions. He didn't hit rock bottom because he rejected God's word. Because Jesus himself was the word of God. Jesus hit rock bottom because of the actions of other people. So you could be here tonight. And you've hit rock bottom not because of your own actions, but because of the actions of someone else. It could be the fact that your spouse walked out on you for another. It could be that you were sexually, physically or emotionally abused as a child. Or it could be the absence of a parental figure that has caused lifelong difficulties. Sometimes we hit rock bottom through no fault of our own. Through the sinfulness of other people. And friends, what what I want to say to us tonight is how how we hit rock bottom does matter. But the the key lesson that we learn from Jonah chapter 2 is actually how we respond from rock bottom matters so much more. So we're up to responding from rock bottom. Did you see in our passage what Jonah did when he hit rock bottom? When he was in the ocean flapping about He's in a helpless situation. And Jonah, he just does what anyone would do. He just cries out, Lord, help me. He cries out for help. And the author of Jonah doesn't want us to miss this. He repeats it three times so that we can see that Jonah is desperate to be saved. But what Jonah 2 teaches us is that crying out does nothing. Crying out does absolutely nothing. What it teaches us is actually who we cry out to matters. And Jonah realizes this in verse 8, where he says, Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. And the people he has in his mind are the sailors from the week before, from chapter 1. Do you remember the sailors when they were in the boat and the, the waves were crashing over the boat? They cried out to their gods. And what did their gods do? You guys were here last night, last week. What did their gods do? Nothing. They were were hopeless. They they, They were worthless. They were useless to save. And what Jonah 2 teaches us is that who we cry out to in our moments of despair, it matters. Think of it this way. Um, If your house is on fire and you call a biologist, you're going to be in trouble. 
you're probably going to lose your house. Or if you're feeling lonely and you're desperate for a spouse, turning to porn isn't going to solve that problem. Or if you're feeling depressed or anxious, a bottle of wine isn't going to help. It makes matters worse. In these situations, friends, cry out to God. And if you're feeling depressed or anxious, please go, go, go seek out help. Or if you're in the darkest moments where you feel like running from God and you feel like blaming God for your current circumstances and the terrible situation you're in, if you're there, don't run from God. Do, do what Jonah did. Run towards God in your moments of despair. I'm reminded of a, a story uh, of a friend of mine. Um, she was sitting in the church, um, attending the service. Uh, it was her, her dad's funeral. He passed quite young. And I remember that she was sitting there and she turned around. And she looked at us with tears pouring down her cheeks. And she said, I don't know why this has happened. But I do know that God is good. In our moments of despair, friends, who we turn to matters. Jonah turned to God and God raised Jonah from rock bottom. My third point, raised from rock bottom. Have you ever thought why Jonah turned to God? Or, or to put it more pointedly, why should you or I turn to God in these moments of despair? And I want to suggest that Jonah as a whole book gives us the answer. It says the reason that we should turn to God is because God is a God who loves to save. Do you remember last week? It was the sailors, wasn't it? God saved the sailors. This week, God saves Jonah. Next week, God saves the people of Nineveh. 120,000 people. Jonah reveals that God is a God who loves to save his people. Actually, this is not just Jonah. Friends, it's the story of the whole Bible. The whole Bible from beginning to end is God's story of how he saves his people. And Jonah fits into this story. Did you see it in the, in the first reading that Bell read out for us? Jesus in Matthew, he refers back to Jonah. He says, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so I will spend three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. And Jesus' death and resurrection is God's plan for humanity's salvation. God, throughout the whole Bible, is revealed as a God who loves to save. If God had a business card, it would say God loves to save. And this is why we as Christians can declare with Jonah, 
when he says in verse 9 that salvation is from the Lord. And I tell you, friends, something that I've learned over the 10 years that I've been a Christian is that because God loves to save us eternally, we can trust him in the moments of our greatest despair. We can trust that he knows what he's doing when we are at rock bottom. And this passage not only teaches us that God loves to save, but it teaches us four unique things about this God who loves to save. And the first thing he teaches us is that God loves to save runaway rebels. Jonah, you've seen it last week, Jonah's the perfect example of a runaway rebel. Not only did he reject God's word, but he ran in the completely the opposite direction. Jonah, he actually, he did nothing at all that warranted God going after him to save him. But God saves him. God saves him when he cries out in desperation. And friends, we are like Jonah. We are runaway rebels. As Christians, uh, the times that we sin, we are actively rejecting God's word and running in the opposite direction. You know, the great thing is, God loves to save. He forgives you. He offers you grace and mercy when we repent and come back to him. Before I became a Christian, uh, I was the ultimate runaway rebel. I literally ran from Canberra all the way up to Armadale to run away. Um, And while I was in that state, sometimes I knowingly and other times unknowingly, rejected God's word. And the way I justified it was, well, God's probably improbable. He's culturally outdated. His word is irrelevant. But even in these moments where I was actively running away from God, God is a God who loves to save. And he chased after me, and by God's grace, He saved me. God loves to save runaway rebels. If that's you, call out to him and ask for his salvation. The second thing that this passage teaches us about this God who loves to save is that God loves to save in unexpected ways. Now think with me. You're Jonah in the ocean flapping about. Do you think when he prayed out to God in his desperation, he said, O Lord, O merciful Father, please send me a big fish so that I can sit in its stomach for three days. And then please, Lord, vomit me out onto the beach so I can be saved. Do you think that's what Jonah prayed? I don't. I think Jonah was just in the situation going, Lord, help me, I'm drowning. Save me. But sometimes as I I chat with Christians... I feel that we expect God to save us our way and in our timing. So if we're in Jonah's situation, we would be praying something like this. 
O gracious Father, uh, please save me by sending a luxurious cruise ship to come by so that I can relax on it as we cruise past the Caribbean and I can reflect on the way that I've wandered from your love. We expect God to save us the way that we want it and in our timing. But what Jonah teaches us is that God saves in unexpected ways. You only have to look at Jesus' death and resurrection to see that. It's unexpected. But friends, this is good news because we can trust God. Because God is a God who saves, even though his methods may be a bit unexpected. The third thing that Jonah teaches us is that nothing can stop God from saving you. Physically, Jonah, he's at the bottom of the sea. Physically, he can't save himself. But God, as the creator of the universe, he's not bound by the universe's laws. Nothing can stop him. Nothing can stop him from saving Jonah. And and he proves this in Jonah by sending a fish. Now, some of you amongst us, probably the more scientific inclined, will be saying, a fish? Like, Jonah can't live in the belly of a fish. The the stomach acids are going to eat him alive. And, And generally, I'd want to agree with you. That is true. But Jonah can't live in the belly of the fish just as much as A Jewish carpenter who's crucified, stabbed in the side, bleeding blood and water, can live in the belly of the earth, in the grave. Both of these things, Jesus' resurrection and Jonah's three days in the fish, point to the fact that God is a God who has power over his creation. And they assure us that God is a God who loves to save, because nothing can stand or stop God from saving you. The fourth thing, and this last thing that this passage teaches us about the God who loves to save, is that God loves to save to win our loyalty and thanks. Jonah in verse 9 at the end of our passage, he rightly responds to God for his salvation. He says this, But as for me, I will sacrifice to you With a voice of thanksgiving, I will fulfill whatever I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. Jonah rightly thanks God for his salvation. And brothers and sisters, as saved people, it is right for us to give God thanks and praise for the eternal salvation that he has won for us. And what I've found as as I've gone on as a Christian and this is sort of what Brad was saying in his open encouragement, is in the moments where we're thanking God for our eternal salvation, it helps us in our times of present personal despair. It helps us by changing our perspective. It reorientates our eyes heavenward. And it reminds us that we are deeply and personally loved by our By a God who loves to save. So friends, I know that the statistics are really scary. Most of us, at some point in our lives, will hit rock bottom. 
How we get there does matter. But what matters so much more is how we respond when we hit rock bottom. I want to encourage you. Cry out to the God who loves to save. Because if this God saves us eternally, we can be sure that he knows how to save us when we hit life's rock bottoms. Will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who loves to save. We thank you that you are a God who saved Jonah in a miraculous way. But Lord, we thank you that you sent Jesus to save us in a miraculous way. Lord, we pray that in the moments of our greatest despair that we will cry out to you as we know that you're a good God who loves to save his people. We pray all these things through your Son. Amen.